what characteristics does he have that I can bank on? He created the universal laws and he's a god of order and a god of harmony. And so what are those characteristics of God that I can count on that will help me grow my faith and help me grow my trust in him? Because you've got to have a correct understanding of who God really is in order for us to connect with him. If you want to live life in prosperity and use the prosperity approach, it consists of two parts. You've got to harness the power of your mind and you've got to leverage the power of the universe. Are you an ambitious, God-centered woman who is ready to live her best life now? My name is Allison Chavez, and on this podcast, I'm going to show women like you how to master your inner game so you can get out of your own way, lay down the struggle, manifest your dreams, and love life as you go. If you're ready to play the inner game to win instead of playing it not to lose so you can live your best life for the rest of your life, then head on over to prosperityapproach.com slash go and get started. Hello, prosperity seekers, and welcome to another episode of The Prosperity Approach. I'm your host, Allison Chavis. Now, lately, over the past few months, we've been doing a series of the four cornerstones of prosperity. So we've covered financial, we've covered physical, we've covered relational, and now for the big daddy of them all, spiritual. Wow. When you have prosperity in every cornerstone of life, that to me means you are truly prosperous. You are truly wealthy. Prosperity isn't just about money. It's about that balance. It's about that expansion in all those cornerstones of your life. Spirituality one can be a little bit sticky for people because we get really caught up in religion versus spirituality and organized religion and just connecting with God on your own. And there (laughs) tends to be a whole lot of friction Lots of religious wounds that come up from incorrect dogma to the culture of a religion versus the doctrine of a religion. And so I know that this can feel a little bit sticky for people. And my intention is that through this, these next episodes, this series that we're going to be talking about spirituality, that it lands with you deeply in your heart because it doesn't matter to me what religion you are or what religion you're not. The only thing that matters to me is that you have a belief in a higher power and that you have a desire to connect with that higher power and to have a relationship with your higher power, to learn how God speaks to you, to learn how you receive God's messages, and for your faith and your trust in the God of your understanding to get so big You don't even recognize yourself anymore. And that was the experience that I had. So if you followed me for any length of time, you know that I believe in organized religion. I am a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You might know us as the Mormons. And I was born and raised in that religion. I have a very deep testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I believe in the Bible. I believe in the Book of Mormon. I believe in living prophets. Um, And I understand that not everybody does, and that is okay. I have dear Catholic friends. I have dear spiritual friends that don't have any sort of an organized um, religious experience. And it's all great to me because we're all speaking the same language. We're just learning. We're using a little bit different vernacular. So my vocabulary is God or Heavenly Father. Please, if you don't resonate with those words, 
just substitute the words that do resonate with you that describe the God of your understanding, whether it's universe or infinite intelligence or love or angels or higher self, whatever that is. I, I really want to get away from feeling wounded or, or feeling defensive at all, making people right, making people wrong. Nobody has to be wrong. Nobody has to be right. I just want us all on the same page. So that was really important to me at starting off this series to just be very clear about. And I am just going to share my experience that I have had with the God of my understanding. And you can Take it or leave it, take all of it, take none of it, take some of it, what, whatever it is. But I have found in my own experience that generally when we feel something very personal, it speaks to the universal as well. And that is my intention that by sharing my experiences and what I have learned, it will help smooth out your journey and it will bring value to you. So in this episode, we're going to talk about the characteristics of God, because most of us have God all wrong. <laughs> that coming off the heels of me saying, nobody's wrong. Um, but we we just have we've had some misinformation fed to us about God, our own beliefs about how God works and what God's characteristics are are misconstrued. And when I realized this, uh, like oh, my, the whole world just opened up to me. But I do want to give you some backstory on this from where I came, from where I was to where I am now. I I understand that a lot of us have wounded relationships with God or or there's part of a relationship that needs to be healed and I have had that experience as well. I think all of us when we live long enough we have a faith crisis to some extent and I certainly did as well. My faith crisis, I've had more than one by the way, but my biggest faith crisis was 10 years ago, actually 10 years ago this month, my brother passed away. His name was Tyler. And he was 30. He died in his sleep Easter morning, three weeks after his wedding. And it came at a time in my life where I was actually pretty topsy-turvy about God anyway. I'd always gone to church. I was always a, quote, good girl. I did Sunday school. I read my scriptures. We prayed as a family. We read scriptures as a family. We went to church every week. I went to the temple, all of those things. And I was in a lot of upheaval in my life with things that we were trying to change. So for instance, we had gotten the impression and the guidance from God that it was time for us to move. We'd lived in our home for about nine or 10 years at that time. It was time to move. So even though we didn't have any money and I was still entrenched in scarcity thinking, we invested in new paint and, you know, spent all of this money to get the house ready to sell. And then the house sat on the market for months. Well, we finally got a buyer. And through the whole process, we got to the appraisal and the appraiser devalued our land by about $20,000 and killed the entire deal. Now, I was shaken to my core because I had taken what for me at that time was an enormous leap of faith. And I felt like, <laughs> like God had just been like, there's a cliff so long. So I was upset. And then my brother, about 10 days after that, died very, very suddenly. And even though I had a great relationship with my brother, there wasn't anything to regret as far as our relationship was concerned. I was stunned by the level of grief that I was now experiencing with his death. And again, we didn't really have any money because that's what I always claimed. We didn't have any money. We had a little bit in savings, but my brother didn't have any money either. And any of you who have experienced funeral costs in America 
they're expensive. It's expensive to die in America. And the family all had to come together and pitch in for those funeral costs. And I remember thinking, all right, well, surely God will bless us for taking money out of our savings that, you know, it's just a very little amount that we have, but we're donating to this cause and he's going to bless us and he'll bless us with more money. <laughs> About a week and a half. It's interesting how everything was like in 10 day increments, but a week and a half later, my husband's car engine blew a head gasket. And since we didn't have any money to buy a new car, we had to get it fixed, which would drain our entire savings. We literally had 28 cents left in our savings account. And if you, uh, I was in a tailspin anyway, but this just ratcheted up that tailspin. And within another week, our oven caught on fire. Now, thankfully, we were home. There wasn't any damage done and nobody got hurt, you know, other than it killed our oven. But that was my final straw. Life was really, really dark. It was scary. I felt like God had abandoned us financially. And plus, I was just dealing with all of this overwhelming grief. I remember during this time, praying all the time. I still took the kids to church. My husband and I still went to church. I went to church empty every week. I came home emptier than when I left for church. I started going to the temple every week, just hoping to connect with God. I felt nothing. I was diving into scriptures and, and just felt torn apart every time I would read scriptures. Like Again, I was doing all the, quote, good girl things, all the right things, and I felt nothing. And I remember pleading with God one day for comfort. I wanted a hug. You know when people talk about they felt wrapped in the arms of Jesus or they felt wrapped in the arms of love? I needed that so desperately in my life at that time. And I prayed for a heavenly hug. And I climbed into bed and I had a dream. And in that dream, my dad died. And I was all alone. And I had no family and I had nobody to love me, and I had nobody to take care of me. And I felt like that was the answer to my prayer. And it was a massive slap in the face, kick in the butt, toss me down the stairs kind of answer from God. And that was when I'd had enough. I was so mad. I was so hurt that I was like, I'm done. I am totally done. I've done everything that I can to feel some sort of something, some sort of comfort, and there is nothing. And I, you know, I, I didn't go into this crisis like, now there's no God. I was, I've always had a very strong testimony in God and Jesus Christ. Like, I've never had that kind of a faith crisis. But what my faith crisis was, oh yeah, God knows me. God is aware of me. He just doesn't care. And that was the most painful thing of all for me to believe that God just didn't care what I was going through. And I felt like he was like this mad scientist and he had this clipboard and I was his experiment. And he was like, let's toss this at her. And then he would just watch for my reaction. And then he was writing down on his clipboard, not handling it very well. I, I remember talking with my girlfriends about this and there was just so much hurt. I'll tell you what, if we didn't have kids, I would have stopped going to church. I definitely wanted to stop going to church. But I believe in 
the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I know it was an important foundation. And my children are the only reason why I didn't stop going to church. I wanted to be a good example to them. We still wanted them to go to church. But I'll tell you what, I was just ready to go, ready to leave and just never come back, quite honestly, with where I was. And life got darker and darker. And I was in so much pain in that relationship with God that I had to shelf it. I just, in in my own rebellion, and you're probably going to laugh at how Allison rebels, but I stopped reading scriptures and I stopped praying. And it was like, a, huh, I'm not talking to you anymore. But I, that, that was my version of rebellion, but it was a rebellion for me. I'm not wired. Like I've never had coffee or drugs or I've never smoked. I don't drink alcohol at all. I've, I've never done that. I don't, I don't abuse my body that way because I've just worked too hard to get my body where I wanted it to be. And so I'm vain enough that I was like, I don't, I don't want, I don't want to ruin my body that way. Um, so really going into self-destruct mode, I'm not wired for that. But this was rebellion for me. And I did definitely cut myself off from feeling God and from that relationship. But it's what I needed to do at the time. It was amazing to me looking back now. I mean, I've got a 10-year perspective on it now, but even after I came through on the other side of it, I started looking for answers that would make sense to me and answers that I could rely on. I just couldn't trust God. I, I didn't have that faith that he really loved me, that he was walking this with me, that he was loving me and, and comforting me like a, like a father would comfort his child. But I started learning about universal laws. And I could trust universal laws because they didn't have favorites. Like universal laws is here's the law. You obey the law, you get the reward. You disobey the law, you get the penalty. It doesn't matter whether you're a man or a woman, if you believe in God, if you don't believe in God, if you're a quote good person or a quote bad person, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. There's no morality associated with it. Obey the law, get the reward. Disobey the law, there's the penalty attached to it. And I could trust that. And I started learning more about those and practicing with universal laws. And it actually opened me up to energy work as well. I was in a place where I needed help, but I didn't want to go into talk therapy. I'd done it before. It was, it, it was not my bag of cookies, and, but I just, I just needed some relief. And it opened the door into energy work. Now, energy work was pretty fringe 10 years ago. It's not nearly as mainstream as it is now. But it was really interesting because as I learned more about universal laws, I learned a little bit more about mindset and then energy work where I was just feeling this relief and I was feeling things shifting inside me and I didn't know what was going on. All I knew is that I could finally take a deep breath. In fact, I'm going to do that now. This experience actually led to what I'm teaching now. It was instrumental in my development and in my growth and in my joy to go through this and to have this God crisis. I remember talking to Jeremy about um, pinpricks of light. Now, I had gotten really cynical and cynicism isn't in my nature. I was snarky. I was like, well, nothing's ever going to change. We're always going to be stuck here. And I'm just, I'm not wired that way. I'm a naturally optimistic, enthusiastic, silver lining kind of a person. And so Jeremy didn't know how to deal with this new version of me. I certainly didn't know how to deal with this new version of me which actually made us both more receptive to looking at alternative ways of feeling better and getting relief and getting help. 
So I start looking for pinpricks of light because I remember telling him, life is a dark, endless abyss of nothing. Like dramatic much, Allison. I totally said this to Jeremy and I need to look for pinpricks of light. And so I just started looking for those little things that would make me smile. Those little things that would help me take a breath. Those little things that were soothing to me. And I didn't realize what I was doing at the time, but I was just like inching my way into feeling better. That was one of the ways that I healed. Uh, I realized too in this experience that one of the reasons I was so upset with God is that I had given God man-made characteristics. I had made God my father. Now, stay with me. God is my father. I believe he is the father of my spirit and I am his daughter. So I believe in that father-daughter relationship on a spiritual level with the God of my understanding. But I had made him my dad. And my dad is a man. And my dad has faults and foibles and makes mistakes. And he is a good man. And my dad was kind of aloof. And sometimes my dad was moody like we all are. And sometimes I could ask my dad and get a yes for no reason. And sometimes I could ask my dad the same question and get a no for no reason. And so I never really like knew where I stood. And I gave those characteristics that I had associated with my dad to God. And most people do this, actually. Whoever the male authority figure is in your life and those characteristics, we tend to give them to God. And God is not human. God is in my belief system is a man, is a personage, but he's not human and he doesn't have human flaws. And I had given him all of these human flaws, which most of us do. So when I realized what I had done, (laughs) I just, you know, I'm learning, I'm growing. When I came through that to the other side, as I started to heal and started to really understand how powerful I was, I I remember praying and being like... (sighs) Okay, I've been having a tantrum for the last eight months. Sorry about that. And I remember praying about that and saying, I'm sorry. And you know what? The feeling that I had was just love and patience and indulgence. It felt like indulgence, like, oh, sweetheart, it's okay. Like there was no judgment. There was no censure. There was no, you must do penance. It was just this recognition that I had done the turning from God. He really hadn't turned from me. But because of my beliefs and because of the way my thoughts were just cluttering my mind, I turned from him. But as I looked back at all of the things that I learned, I realized God hadn't left my side at all. He was still directing me. He put people in my path that taught me energy work, that brought me the relief that I needed, that brought me the comfort that I was so desperate for. And then the books that I needed about universal laws and learning about mindset, like he had divinely placed people and things and situations in my path that would help me to grow. And they were instrumental in helping me to grow. I learned that in order to trust God, and trust is confidence and the firm reliability in something or someone, I had to know what the characteristics of God really were. Because God is not a man. God is not man. He's not human anyway. He doesn't have those characteristics that we have. So what characteristics does he have that I can bank on? You know, like I can bank on universal laws. We can bank on universal laws. And he created the universal laws and he's a God of order. 
and a God of harmony. And so what are those characteristics of God that I can count on that will help me grow my faith and help me grow my trust in him? Because you've got to have a correct understanding of who God really is in order for us to connect with him. If you want to live life in prosperity and use the prosperity approach, it consists of two parts. You've got to harness the power of your mind and you've got to leverage the power of the universe. And part of that so that you're no longer doing the heavy lifting and you're not, you know, running ragged trying to figure it all out, feeling like you're all on your own to come up with all the answers and you're not going to get any sort of help, is you got to understand how to connect with God and how to talk to him and how to receive his answers because he talks to you all day, every day. We'll talk about that in an upcoming episode. But first, we got to get a baseline and a foundation on God's characteristics And so in my studies and in my research, I came across a book called Lectures on Faith by Joseph Smith. And these are all characteristics that were taken right from the Bible, scriptures right out of the Old Testament and the New Testament. Now, I'm not going to go through all of the scripture references in this podcast, but if you are interested in where those scripture references are, then just do a Google search for Lectures on Faith. Grab that book. It's a pretty deep, profound read. So I just want you to be aware of that. It's not like a sit quick 30-minute read. Like there's really deep stuff in there um, and, and it's magnificent and glorious, but all of those references are there. So number one, God was God before the world was created and the same God after it was created. Now, remember, I do not believe in just touting theory. I need the practical application. Like, why do I care? Why do I need to care? Why is this important? So we're going to break this down. Why is this important to know? Well, if you don't believe that God is the creator and the upholder of all things, you can't center your faith in him because you will have fear that there will be somebody that's greater than God that will come along and somebody who's more powerful than God will come along and stop all of God's plans. And then God wouldn't be able to fulfill his promises. So that's the first characteristic of God. He was God before the world was created, and he's the same God after it was created. Number two, God is merciful and gracious. He's slow to anger, abundant in goodness. He has a forgiving disposition, and he does forgive iniquity, transgression, and sin. So any of those tantrum moments that we're having, any time that we have unjust behavior or we're being unfair to others, he forgives all of that. He has always been and always will be that way. He is full of compassion. Now, why is that important to know? Because human nature is so weak And we are so prone to mistakes, to hurting others, to sin, to all of those flaws and foibles that we are subject to, that unless we believe that God has those higher characteristics, we'd be filled with doubt because we'd make him like we are, which is exactly what I did. Number three, God doesn't change or vary. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His course is one eternal round. He is consistent. Now, for those of you who are watching rather than listening to this podcast, I am reading this. So if you see my eyes looking down, it's because I don't want to screw it up. So I'm so I'm reading all of this. All right. So why is this important to know? Well, without the belief that God is consistent, it fills us with doubt instead of confidence. We wouldn't know how soon God's mercy might change into cruelty or his long suffering would change into rashness or his love to change into hatred. 
And so knowing that he is consistent, he is constant, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever gives us continual faith in him. It's that belief, it's that trust, it's that firm reliability in him. I love this. All right, number four. This one was actually the most powerful one for me. God is a God of truth and he cannot lie. The Bible does not tell us he will not lie or he shall not lie. He cannot lie. He is a God of truth. Now, why is this important? Well, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure that I get lied to all day, every day by media, first and foremost, and news outlets, first and foremost. If, if knowing that he is not a man, he cannot lie. Sorry, knowing that God is not man and he cannot lie fills us with faith and confidence that he'll keep his word. We can believe what he says because his word will not fail. How many times in scriptures does he say, ask and it is given? If you will ask me believing that you'll receive and this is right, I'll give it to you. All over scripture, he tells us that. If he cannot lie, then what it turns on, us receiving what he has for us, just turns on our belief. But he will fulfill every single promise and we won't believe him. But he is a God of truth and he cannot lie. That was so important to me when he says that he loves us, that he is there for us, that we can ask him anything and he will succor us. Like, oh, that was that brought me so much comfort. Number five, he is no respecter of persons. Every nation that fears God and is righteous is accepted of him. Every person in every nation has an equal privilege. This is huge right now, especially with the racial climate that, I mean, has been going on for centuries, but really is at this boiling point right now in our history. That's so important to know because if God was a respecter of persons, we wouldn't be able to tell what our privileges were or how far we're authorized to even exercise faith in him or if we're authorized to do it at all. And we'd live in confusion. You know, as human beings, we have such capability of kindness and goodness, and we also have such capability of cruelty and and all of those things, that hatred and that prejudice. And would I have as much authority to access God as a woman, as a man does, or the, the color of my skin or the country that I was born in? So knowing that that makes no difference to him whatsoever fills me with great confidence and great faith in him that I can access every part that I'm able to, meaning that I'm able to receive. Number six, God is love. Ah, we throw this around all the time, but this is a characteristic. And if this characteristic wasn't there to influence you, then none of these other characteristics would have as much power over your mind. Everything God does is fueled by love, by his deep, personal, intimate love for you. It helps us to see that because God is love, it makes sense that every person in every nation, kindred, and tongue would be able to have faith in him because he loves all his children. And he is, his motivation is love. And it's to express that love and for us to feel it and then to also express it in our way. When I read this, it brought so much comfort, so much understanding, and 
And I could look back at the younger version of me, the immature version of me with compassion and understanding, but also so much gratitude that I wasn't still there by understanding God's characteristics. I've been able to increase my spiritual maturity, certainly my intellectual maturity as well, as I've been able to just grow my spiritual capabilities to be able to receive my own personal revelation and inspiration from God. And we're going to talk about that in another episode. We got some really juicy subtopics all around your spirituality here um, in this part of our series. But first and foremost, getting a true, correct understanding of who God is and what makes God God and what drives God, what motivates God is not using us as an experiment. It's for our joy. He wants us to feel joy to the capacity that he does. And everything is orchestrated for our joy. And it is driven by love, even our hurts, even our sorrows, even our disappointments. So hopefully that has been helpful for you. Now, definitely you're going to want to tune in next week because we're going to talk about how to get God to answer your prayers next week and why we feel like God doesn't answer our prayer. And are there specific things that we can do in order to feel God's answers, to know that God is answering, and then what to do with those answers. So I hope that you join us next time. Please, if you have not subscribed to my YouTube channel or followed my YouTube channel, hit that subscribe button or that follow button. Come join us over in our Facebook group too. It's called The Prosperity Experience. So just do a quick search for that. If you like this conversation, if you like the vibrations here and the feeling here, come join the community where there is so much love and so much acceptance and support. And I'm in there every week doing more trainings and giving more tips on how to live in prosperity in really practical ways. So join us there and make sure you tune in next time to The Prosperity Approach. See you then. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Prosperity Approach. If you haven't already, be sure to head over to prosperityapproach.com slash 52 ways and pick up your free copy of the Prosperity Guide. This guide will help you discover 52 different ways to dissolve fear and overwhelm, grow your wealth consciousness and experience success without struggle. Until next time, remember, the challenge is necessary on your journey to success, but the struggle isn't. 